Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What a great conference it has been and refreshed, outstanding preaching. It is a privilege to be here and to be home, uh, to be in the sun where there's mountains and uh, God's people. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I received a phone call uh, last week from Dave Suspansky and uh, told him what I was going to preach. Now, this is a sermon that uh, the idea came in a sermon workshop, and uh, then I took it back and uh, reworked it, redid it, and then I sent it out to some pastors, and he made the comment that it's gotten around the fellowship, so I hope it hasn't got to your ears yet, uh, and uh, this will be the first, uh, but it is a important thing that I'm going to speak to. As we were at this sermon workshop, um, you know, after leading the, for the fourth time, you kind of run out of inspiration and ideas. So I, I, said, I asked the guys, I said, what would you like to work on? And I said, you know, we could talk about Facebook. And uh, immediately there was, yes, yes, we need to do that. It was absolutely no question at all. Why? Well, because it is an issue and a need, especially for pastors who are trying to help people. And many people are getting trapped uh, uh, in Facebook. Uh, over 100 million users in the United States, uh, uh, over 30 million users uh, of Facebook in Canada. That's about, uh, or excuse me, that's 15 million in Canada. That's half of the Canadian populace that uh, is involved. They say, uh, Pastor Gene Lavalley told me that if Facebook were its own country, it would be the third largest country in the world. And so if you're a citizen, I might step on your toes a little bit. Amen. But the reason that it came to my mind to preach and deal with it is that I had reoccurringly found that uh, exclusively in every case of immorality, adultery, fornication uh, that I've counseled and dealt with over the last year and a half, Facebook was a component in every one of them. And so this is part uh, of our culture and has great ramifications. Uh, and so I want to minister, we're going to read beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, uh, beginning in verse 11 through to chapter 7, verse 1. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? 
And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Of God. I want to talk to you first of all about the danger of the open square. There are two similar stories that we find in the Bible. One is from Sada, Sodom and its sequel in Gibeah. These are sinful societies, no doubt much like the society that we live and are part of. The, the first story has the angels visiting Lot to and as they are there, they are going to remain in the open square. But Lot is very insistent and says, uh, with what the Bible says is very strong words, uh, no, you can't remain in the open square. Come in. You must get out of the open square. You must come in. And then we have in Judges 19, verse 20 and 21, the story of the a Levite with his concubine and the scripture says uh, that a wayfaring man the King James Version says or an old man someone who has been around who understands the realities of life uh, uh, he presses upon the Levite and he says only do not spend the night in the open square so he brought him into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys and they washed their feet and ate and drank beware of the open square and we well understand you know we live in modern times uh, the need for security safety for protection there was a time in the US when uh, neighbors didn't lock their doors perhaps there's some uh, small towns that might still have a semblance of that uh, uh, but you know especially here in Tucson you know that uh, you've got to be locked up tight uh, uh, growing up just a couple of blocks from here, uh, you know, we put bars on our windows because uh, my mother's house had been broken into four times. Uh, window, uh, through the windows, bullets had come flying through. And uh, uh, we understood that was a dangerous place. And so we need bars. We need protection. And so it is uh, in our world. It is a dangerous society that we're a part of. And I want to assume the position that Lot took and that of the wayfaring man and uh, challenge you as a pastor, as we are called to be watchmen, to come out of the open square. And I understand that in doing that I might sound a bit like a Luddite. You know, I'm just against technology. I'm against, uh, you know, the modern conveniences. Uh, but... But I want you to know, I'm into gadgets. I have an iPhone. I have an iPad. I eat at IHOP. I mean, I'm into it. I like it. But I don't have Facebook. And I don't believe you ought to have it either, if you name the name of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I have it blocked at our router. 
Uh, so none of our computers, for my wife, my daughter, we can't access Facebook or MySpace or those social networking, dating type sites, uh, and we don't have any issues. Uh, my daughter is uh, getting married in August. Her first kiss is going to be at the altar. And, you know, she's not like one of those Texas Mormon women, you know, with the strange dresses, you know. Uh, she's well-adjusted. She's happy. She's modern. And she's protected. Because this isn't Kansas, Dorothy. We're talking about the open square. We're talking about elements and forces that are aimed at you and I, especially as believers. Elements that Satan would love to exploit and use against you if the opportunity presents itself. And the sad reality is that we live in a world that is in many ways equivalent to Sodom. And I believe there are three elements that are seen in the open square that you'll find on Facebook and other social networking sites. One of these is the ever-lurking danger of a sinful society with its predators, with its perverts, with those who will take advantage of and exploit the innocent. There is the secrecy that the internet and being online affords the dark night and there is human vulnerability and we're all vulnerable take heed you that think you stand lest you fall now let me make my case in Proverbs the father is warning his son about the dangers of a sinful society and he counsels in Proverbs chapter 7 listen to his words he Declares, for at the window of my house I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So here in Proverbs 7, we have the story of a naive young man, an innocent man, not aware of the dangers that there are in life. And he is targeted by a woman who is unfulfilled in her emotional and sexual needs. This crafty woman is married to a well-to-do man, has a good life, but he is away on business. Likely he was away frequently on business. And there are issues in her personality, things going on in her heart that cause her to venture out to, to seek fulfillment. Coming upon this innocent man, she exploits him. And the scripture says he doesn't know he's going down the path to hell. And she takes advantage of him. Temptation is darkness exploiting our vulnerability. Can you say amen? Exploiting 
the weakness of our flesh, exploiting our ignorance. And the term that is used about this woman, she was lurking. You know, that's what they call people who are on these internet sites. They're lurkers. They're looking. They're watching. Looking for an opportunity to take advantage. And how often do we read in the paper about some innocent young girl who's been caught in a trap, exploited, raped, perhaps brutally murdered? Because there are lurkers. This woman is a lurker. She is a crafty harlot. And there are crafty harlots out there in abundance. In December, uh, my wife and I and our daughter and her fiancé went to see Fiddler on the Roof and we drove into the city of Toronto, the play. And uh, we were early and wanted to catch dinner, so we went to um, the Keg restaurant downtown. It's uh, underneath the office complex. And we got there probably about quarter to five in the afternoon and we went in, ordered our dinner and ate... Uh, and it was fairly empty. We were some of the first that were there, but by the time we had finished our meal and were preparing to go, uh, the offices had closed, the workday was over, and, uh, and this restaurant with uh, its lounge or bar was filled with, uh, uh, with people there, you know, in their ties. These were the office, the executives, the professionals. And, uh, you know, they're just hanging around having an after-work drink. Uh, and so my wife and uh, daughter and... Uh, future son-in-law went to the restroom. I'm waiting for them, and, and uh, I'm standing right at the edge where this uh, the lounge part is. And as I'm looking over there towards the the washrooms, there's uh, this woman. She's looking at me. I mean, she's intense, kind of like Pastor Campbell was talking about this morning. And so you know, I'm, I look down and look back up, and there she's. I mean, she's she's got the look. And uh, so again, I look down, look up again, and there, I mean, she's just fixed on me. Now, you know, it's been some time since GQ asked me to model for them. (laughs) But this woman, there's no doubt what's in her eyes. I was actually a little flattered, truthfully. Uh, (laughs) But... The intensity of her gaze, you know, there there was something she was on the make. It was Friday afternoon. She's looking to hook up. I don't know any of the details about her life, but she's on the prowl. She's going to score. And here in our text, it says we're in uh, Proverbs seven. There she is. Uh, at times she was outside, and times in the open square, lurking at every corner. And now she doesn't even have to leave home to lurk. She can do it right on Facebook. I was talking to my brother-in-law who uh, is on Facebook. He's not part of our fellowship, but uh, he was telling me uh, about uh, getting, I guess you get tagged so that you can be someone's friend, that there was a tag of this woman. said, I want to be your friend. And uh, she's got her blouse open. I want to be your friend. Lurking. To take advantage, to exploit. 67% of the time, it's the woman that starts the emotional affair. But men prey on women as well, don't they? 
The Bible warns of that, 2 Timothy 3, 6, For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. I was talking to Pastor Beauregard. He was sharing the story of someone that he knew, a man, Christian man, married, children, and all of a sudden finds out his wife says, I'm leaving you. Caught him by surprise. You know, they had issues like every marriage has issues, but totally caught him off guard. She had connected with an old flame. She had been talking to him for two weeks. She was ready to give up her kids. Walk away from a marriage of years to a guy who later turned out to be a man that she knew who uh, was a sex offender, let out of jail, living with his parents at home. There's a new phrase that's come of tr- to reality, to use of late, and that is retrosex. Retrosexing. Time magazine did an article about that. What it is is people who look up for a hookup. People from their past. And uh, let me just read this to you. It's from the Boston Phoenix. It says, The popularity of social networking sites okay, really just Facebook, has made retrosexing all the easier, whereas potential retros used to have to wait for their five- or ten-year high school reunions to have an old acquaintance fall into their lap. Now they can simply search Facebook for a high school classmate and fellow college alumni and reestablish contact without too much gumshoeing. The enticement. Remember those days? The what-ifs. You know, I always kind of liked you. What if you didn't have him and I didn't have her and in a perfect world? You know, I remember you were always good to me. Not like Bozo that I'm living with now. And so we're talking about something very powerful. This has become a major component in divorce. Some statistics have said that up to 50% of divorces have an element of Facebook that contributes. I had a man who uh, called me, asked me if I would have lunch, and uh, I said, sure. I'd counseled their marriage uh, many years ago, and uh, they were in the process of the final uh, divorce. And uh, uh, he brought with him some paper, and he said, I just want you to read what my wife has been saying about me on Facebook. And so I started to, I couldn't believe what she was saying about his manhood. You can let your mind do the rest. Facebook, 25%, they say, of American divorces have that in it. And so we're talking about something that has been unleashed in society, and not only in society, but in the Christian world. As I was researching this sermon, I went on a story about Facebook affairs. And, and uh, the article was a good article, but what surprised me was the comments afterwards. Uh, uh, there probably was about 50 comments uh, of Christian men who said, Yeah, that happened to my marriage too. 
And many times they say, I don't know what happened to my wife. All of a sudden she, you know, she's intoxicated. It's like she's not the same woman. She's, uh, it's like a spell has been put on her and, uh, and uh, I can't reason with her. All of a sudden our history has been rewritten. How I've never been there. I've, how I've always abandoned her. How she never felt emotionally fulfilled. You know, apart from Facebook, they probably would have just worked their issues out. Can you say amen? So we see the dangers of an open square, but I want to talk to you about the demands of a holy God. At issue in this is the issue of biblical separation. And one of the things that we must address is God's call to come out and be separate, as our text says. Paul is quoting to Old Testament verses, Isaiah 52, verse 11, where it says, Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. And Ezekiel 20, verse 41, I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the people's. God is calling His people out of the open square of this world uh, and into an intimate relationship with Him. That is the essence uh, of the Christian life uh, is we come out of the world uh, and we come in to the presence of God as Pastor Campbell masterfully ministered. Into an encounter with God, into a relationship with God that takes precedence uh, and priority over every other relationship. God is calling his people out. He says, if you'll come out, uh, I will receive you. I'll open the door. You can come in from the open square. uh, And uh, you can come into the inner chamber. uh, As Isaiah 26, 20 says, uh, you can come into a place of safety, into a place of protection, into a place of fellowship. As we think about biblical separation it has three aspects to it that are relevant here one is that Christianity is a separation from our past 2nd Corinthians 5 verse 17 therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation all things have passed away behold all things have become new now I'm sure that for many of you your testimony is like mine when I got saved I went through my closets and got rid of the clothes that were no longer appropriate, like the t-shirt that said, I'm only here for the beer, amen. It was a t-shirt I grabbed when I went to be baptized, and uh, it didn't fit anymore, amen. And the hundreds of albums that I had, because music was my God. I went out into the desert, and, and they were Frisbees, man. I, was, I had a party getting rid of them. But I was delivered, helped, set free. And when my friends came knocking at the window at night saying, Mike, we've got some dope, we've got some junk. Man, let's go get stoned. I said, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to hang with you guys. I've given my life to Jesus. But the problem is, is that we think that, you know, there's an expiry date on 2 Corinthians 5.17. That, you know, that old things pass away, that's relevant for a year or two, maybe five. But, you know, I've been saved ten years now. 
And so those old things, those corpses that should be buried, now are resurrected and zombies sitting on our computer through Facebook. I was talking to uh, my brother-in-law again, who was from El Paso, and uh, uh, you know, he, as he was in high school, they would always go across to Juarez, and and you know what's in Juarez, the the whorehouses, the uh, drinking parties, all that. That was his life. He said, "I got delivered when I cut those pictures up," and then when he got a Facebook account, those same pictures resurfaced. He hadn't seen him in years. But there it is, his past living again. And again, we can sentimentalize about how good those old days were. I remember how good it was. We had fun. We had a blast. No, you got saved. Because <laughs> it wasn't all that good. few years ago my mother was sick I was going to be here for a while in Tucson and uh, you know I began to pray I said God help me uh, I want to run into some of my old friends I want to witness to them I want to just reconnect with them and, and you know after you serve God almost 35 years you get used to God answering those kind of prayers and so I was surprised because I went looking you know trying to ask neighbors that I would see hey about so and so yeah I don't know I don't know and I you know how about Pete, I haven't heard much about him. I think he moved to the other side of Tucson or is in prison. And, you know, I, I, was, I really wanted to connect, had the time to connect. But not one person did I reconnect with. And I was kind of puzzled because God didn't answer my prayer. And there's a reason. That's my past. Amen. He'll answer prayers about my future and my destiny. But that's in the past. And coming out from among them be, means that we're going to step out from that life. Amen. Those acquaintances. And be separate unto God. Not only separated from our past, but separated from sin. Into a lifestyle of holiness. The things that honor God. Hebrews 12:1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. James 1, 21, The New International Version says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You know, there really is a lot of moral filth on Facebook. Gossip. That's a lot of it, what it's about. I've asked girls in our congregation, so what do you do? Well, we gossip. But that's a sin for a Christian. We slander. You know, we say bad things. A lot of division happens on Facebook. I was talking to one man, and he said, you know, he said, uh, before Facebook, my family was happy, was, was happy, but now there's so much division now that we all have Facebook. Because why don't you respond to me? You don't have time anymore, and, and you know... So many bad things, the lust, the deceit, the lies, the immorality that is prevalent and very pervasive. My brother-in-law was going to show me something. He had some music on Facebook. He said, but you know what? I can't because 
I'm fasting. I said, you're fasting from Facebook? He said, he said, you know, I just begin to realize that there's a lot of evil there. Man, that's not someone in our fellowship talking. There's a lot of evil there. It's not all evil. In a perfect world, it would be a place where we would hook up with our family and see the picture of the kids. And there can be perhaps elements of that that are around. Amen. But when the lights go out and the open square is filled with the unclean, amen, we are vulnerable. Separation means separation from the world, from its ways, from its values. God says, come out from among them, be separate. Come out from that whole mentality, that way of thinking, and I will receive you. There are two aspects, I believe, that social networking uh, affect. The first of these is fellowship. And our text says, what fellowship? What fellowship are you having? You know, we think that somehow things are sanctified just because they're online. You know, the Bible does say you're to withdraw from those who are immoral. You're to separate from those who are divisive. But, hey, it's okay because it's on Facebook. It's not sanctified just because it's on Facebook. It's not right. If they're unclean, if they're dissidents, if they're rebellious, if they're immoral, amen, we still are called to separate. Ephesians 5.11, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. It also affects fruitfulness. I was getting a coffee in a coffee shop in Brampton where I live. And I was standing behind about a 14-year-old son or kid and his grandmother. And as they were waiting for their drinks, his grandmother said, You know, I got a computer now. And he said, oh, great. You know, I can be on Facebook all day long. I'm thinking, here's 14. There are a lot of things you could do with your life. Why just stay on Facebook? You know, why don't you just go hang with some real people? Go play basketball. Go have fun. It's a diversion. When my daughter Kristen started college, she was amazed uh, at how distracted all the students were, you know, because now college, you, they loosen things up a bit. Everyone has their computer, and, and the students are always uh, distracted, checking the newest thing that came up on Twitter or Facebook. And so it wasn't a mystery to her that she finished at the very top of her class because she wasn't distracted by a million and one things. And I'll tell you, not only is that true in school, it's true in ministry, it's true in life. If we're always diverted by things that are unfruitful, we're not going to be fruitful people. I was talking to Pastor Dave Suspansky, and he said that uh, he administered on some things along this line, and he said a young man came up to him and said, you know what, I just made a commitment, I'm closing the account, I'm getting off Facebook, and Pastor Suspansky asked, he said, well, are there a lot of people 
on Facebook? And he said, well, yeah, but none that are doing good. It would be great as if every time you logged in, there was a warning. Danger, this can lead to a life of fruitlessness, barrenness, compromise. Someone wrote this. Ever wonder what would happen if we treated our Bible like we treat our cell phone? What if we carried it around in our purses or pockets? What if we flipped through it several times a day? What if we turned back to go get it if we forgot it? What if we used it to receive messages from the text? What if we treated it like we couldn't live without it? What if we gave it to the kids as gifts? What if we used it when we traveled? What if we used it in case of emergency? Separation. I want to conclude with the defense of a good offense because the best thing we can do to keep away from the wrong path is to decidedly choose the right path amen and we must take steps to step out of the open square perhaps that means pornography perhaps that means Facebook dating sites Twitter whatever it is And I understand not all and every component of it is evil. But I do understand that like this young man in Proverbs 7, sometimes when we're just kicking back, taking it easy, not expecting, we're being targeted and we'll be exploited. And what a good thing to have a place we can come in, some protections. You know, obviously, if you're a young man, especially here, you need to have internet protection. You need a filter. You'll be exploited. For parents, your children need to be protected. That should, by this time, be understood by all of us. But we all need to understand that there needs to be withdrawal into a place of security out of the open square into the presence of God. You know, this is what that text is about. Really, primarily in 2 Corinthians 6, God isn't talking about what we're leaving, but what we're coming to. And as Pastor Campo so ministered, God is encouraging us to encounter Him. Amen. To step away. How many times, being on Facebook, have you been tagged by God saying, I want to be your friend? But He wants to. And he's available. And he says, I will receive you to myself. Amen. You'll be my sons and daughters. I'll be your God. If you're a woman and you're emotionally unfulfilled, only God can truly meet that need. But you know, we need to take steps to protect ourselves. We need to put the emphasis and priority on the real relationships that God has gifted us with. That precious spouse that is a gift from God. Those children, amen, that are only with us for such a short season to spend our life, our time getting to know them, enjoying life together. 
Listen to Proverbs 5, verse 18. Let your fountain be blessed. And rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and as a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be embraced or enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? You know, God is an anti-pleasure, anti-relationship, anti-social. He's into all of that. And he invites us to experience it the way he's ordained it to be. Amen. It's to be real, not simulated, not virtual, but real, dynamic, and powerful. And we must put guards, fences, walls that will protect us from that element. Perhaps you've overstepped your boundaries. Dr. Shirley Glass says there are three signs that indicate friendship between people of the opposite sex has crossed over the line. First of these is emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy, that special connection. Is it with the opposite sex? You've crossed over the line. The sexual tension, that means you're feeling the pressure, the thoughts, the wants. It's not been consummated, but it's already going there. Secrecy. You know, if when your family or friends come into the room, if you've got to quickly start clicking and closing things down, you're in trouble. Your spouse ought to have your passwords. Amen. You ought to have your children's passwords. That secrecy is a sign. That's where the open square takes advantage of people. You ought to seek to rekindle the real romance. Amen. And wife, you know, if you're feeling unfulfilled, tell your husband. With the frying pan, if you have to get his attention, tell him. Sometimes we're dense. Amen. But more than that, rediscover the dynamic walk. Put your face in God's book. Let your face seek His face. Psalms 27 verse 8 says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. You know, if we're going to change the world, we need an encounter with God, as Pastor Campbell said. Amen. That'll only happen as we seek His face. I was reading about, in the time of Jesus, the Pharisees, for all their wrongs, uh, before they would ever mention the name of God in any form, they would get before the Lord in prayer and remain in silence for one hour before they would dare say a word to mention the name of God. They didn't want to, in any casual way, take the name of the Lord in vain. They understood that this was a holy thing. And I've been reading about George Washington. You know, people want to make him in a deist. A deist is someone who believes that God just kind of winds up the world like a wristwatch or watch clock and just lets it run on its own. He's uninvolved. And they accuse Washington of being that. But just the opposite, he was a man of prayer, 
Over a hundred written prayers are recorded by him. And he gave full glory to God for the many miraculous turn of events that happened as he led the troops against the British. Time after time, how there was divine miraculous intervention in so many times. But I want you to know there were many times when he was found in prayer. Found seeking God at this vulnerable age when the battle could have gone any way. He understood that he had to seek the face of God. And I would dare say that, amen, the battle we face uh, is just as significant. The battle for our children, the battle for our cities, for our homes, for our churches uh, will not be won unless we seek the face of God. We'll lose the battle. Many times when people are online, it's not that they're sinning, but they certainly are not seeking. If we were to compare how much time you spend on Facebook, Twitter, texting, email, compared to how much time you give to God, you know, most Christians, let's be honest. Most Christians, their prayer life is grace over dinner. Their prayer life is opening and closing prayer on a once a week Sunday morning service. Their prayer life, you know, is maybe when they're on the bathroom with nothing to read. Amen. God says, you know what? Come out. I'll receive you. I'm waiting. I want to be your friend. Let's bow our heads together.